Welcome to Small Bites Radio with Donato Marino and Derek Tim. We hope you're hungry. to Wildfire Radio, Small Bites. I'm Donato Marino with DNL Coffee Service, Bean to Barista, training co-owner of Terry's 2, 1541 Chester Pike, Falcroft, PA. And speaking of Terry's 2, we got St. Patrick's Day coming up, and we're having our seventh annual Shamrock and Roll Pub Crawl. Oh, the luck of the Irish. March 7th. Uh, bar opens at 8. Buses roll at 12. And that's 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Yeah, got to yeah. be very specific. Sorry, eight, eight, eight. At 8 Well, everybody that goes to St. Patrick's Day knows it's <laughs> 8 a.m. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Don. It's okay. I apologize. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it should be a great time. Uh, buses for free. We're handing out free T-shirts until they run out. So if you want to get a shirt, come early. So you got one. I never said how many. <laughs> I got a, I got a five X. We could fit a few people in it. There you go. <laughs> but but a, shamrock and roll. Shamrock and roll. Sounds like a party, Don. It will. It is. It's a great time. I, I, I enjoy. Are you it. the grand marshal? I'm the, the guy on the bus that nobody likes. Oh, everybody likes you, yeah, Don. I gotta tell him. Put the beer down. And I'm Derek Tim at BlueJeanFood.com, and uh, I know someone who really likes you, Don. It's probably one of your, your biggest fans. John John Howard Fusco, nightlife correspondent of Courier Post, and also as uh, New York Times recognized, and has written for South Jersey Magazine, and has his own book about Cape May. But more importantly, he gives us weekly updates of what's hot and happening in the food world. What's going on, John? Hey guys, evening all. Yes, I, I like you, Don. You're right. Hey, I like <laughs> feelings mutual. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about Laser Wolf. This is the new restaurant concept from Mike Solomonoff and Steve Cook that just opened last Thursday in Kensington. That's right, Kevin. Sorry, Derek, I said Kensington. That's right. Uh, according, according to Eater Philly, Laser Wolf is an Israeli-style grill house, so look for plenty of meat options such as lamb, fish, beef, and chicken, along with house-made pita and that famous hummus from Sahav and other Israeli delights. So, again, that's Laser Wolf. Uh, Joe opened this past week. We're going to stay in Kensington with the opening this past week of Human Robot Brewery. Uh, according to Philly Mag, the name of the brewery, Human Robot, indicates the styles of beer that will be brewed. The human part is classic European styles, and then the robot part is the modern tripped-out brews that you see nowadays. Uh, the space formerly occupied by St. Benjamin's Brewery. Uh, it also houses Poe's uh, Sandwich Shop, so it's got the sandwich shop inside the brewery as well. So that is Human Robot Brewery in Kensington. Uh, Casa Mexico is now open at the Italian market. This is Chef Cristina Martinez of South Philly Barbacoa's new project. Uh, currently, they have a guest chef working there. This is Chef Maria Mercedes Grubb, who, oh, by the way, is a James Beard-nominated chef from Puerto Rico. She's serving dinner there until Tuesday, February the 11th. Uh, interesting thing about Casa Mexico is that all the meals being made there 
will be using ingredient sources that are ingredients that are sourced exclusively from the Italian market. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see how they will keep that up during the course of the year. Uh, the Middle Eastern restaurant Renata's, Renata's Kitchen has opened its new location in West Philly on 40th and Baltimore Avenue, uh, taking over the spot that was the trolley car station diner. Uh, their original location on 46th and Baltimore will temporarily be closed, but will reopen uh, with the same ownership, but open as a cafe. And on the Jersey side, look for a spring opening of Pizza Cremini in Haddonfield. This is taking over for La, La Cafe Creperie on Kings Highway. And according to the Courier Post, this is the brick-and-mortar location for the uh, mobile pizza business Pizza Crime, converting the business to brick-and-mortar. And it's also a changeover from father to son. The father actually owns La, La Cafe Creperie, and it's the son who runs uh, Pizza Crime, so they'll be changing ownership of that location. So you can always follow me for more food adventures on Twitter and Instagram at EatingNestJersey, as well as on the South Jersey Food Scene website and Facebook page. That's what we got for this evening, guys. Man, that was so much information, Don. I yes. think I think John is uh, showing off a little bit. He must be angling for a raise. We'll, we'll, give, we'll give you a bar stool. <laughs> Excellent job there, John. We look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, guys. Have a good evening. Have a, have a good evening. one, John. But uh, talking about people showing off, as usual, uh, it's our good friend Adam of East Passiunk coming in uh, to talk about all the hot and happening events on EPA. And one of the most popular events, uh, Don, as you know, you visit annually, is the Restaurant Week. And that's going to be uh, Monday, February 24th until Friday, March 6th. Yeah. Good thing about Restaurant Week is that uh, allows a lot of people to go in and try a new re- restaurant that they've never been in. And Built like, excitement. Well, yeah, excitement, yes. Yeah. But uh, Adam, you're the, the man with the master plan and know all the information. How are you doing? I've got the inside tips. I know everything that's happened for Restaurant Week that, that people need to know about. It's always exciting on Pashunk. Exactly. And this is just like... It's Valentine's Day. Everybody's going to be out getting romantic. And now you're going to build up what you're going to talk about while they're at dinner. Like, oh, my lovely, sweet dear. We can now try this restaurant out because Adam told us. That's right. I think you could look at it two ways. Either, you know, Valentine's goes really well and you can figure like, oh, my God, it was so romantic. We got to go back there. Or it's like, like, who am I going to swipe right on and uh, bring to the new place? Exactly. Exactly. You're like, yeah, you're not going there. I know the exact person I'll be going there. Week with <laughs> no, but there's there's a lot of awesome awesome new stuff happening for uh, for this year. I mean, we beyond the 24 restaurants that we have participating, and a lot of the places that people know about. I mean, whether uh, it's you know Noir or Fond or Nord, uh, places like La Scala's Bira. Uh, I think one of the best things about Restaurant Week is it gives people that chance to to either try out a place that they're familiar with and maybe a new dish or, or something that normally wouldn't be on the menu. Um, I think actually La Scala's uh, Bira is a great example of that. There's so many people who go there for the pizza and for you know the straightforward Italian food, but they don't realize everything that's on the menu there. And so it's a great chance for places like them to really show off. Uh, then there's uh, other spots like Bing Bing Dim Sum or Barcelona Wine Bar, where you're going to go in for restaurant week and be able to really sample a ton of different items that you normally might not see on the regular menu, even if you've been there like five times and, and really enjoy it on a regular. So 
that's something that we're always really excited about. The the biggest thing though for for this year is that uh, we've have six new participants this year. So one is Big Catch Poke, which just recently opened. So Poke bowls, good for lunch or for dinner, and uh, they're at the fifteen dollar price point. That's another thing is that people need to know. We have $15, $25, and $35 price points. So and, that, and that's different than a lot of restaurants, yeah. because a lot of it is just set one price. Exactly. So it gives you a lot of options. It gives you the variety of the different kinds of places that you can that you can check out. And you're not limited to just fine dining or, or you know, sit down. It can be something that's like a quick grab-and-go kind mm-hmm. of place. Uh, so Big Catch Poke, uh, June BYOB, which is fine French dining, really lovely. Uh, we have Red Crest Fried Chicken has joined this year for the first time. Uh, Triangle Tavern has just recently joined in. Uh, we got uh, and they just reopened, correct? Triangle Tavern, I, they they've been they've been up there for a while. But, but didn't they have a? Maybe I'm thinking so. I thought they someone had a remodel. Uh, can uh, forget it. <laughs> forget it. <laughs> no, no, no. Triangle's Triangle's been a stalwart for 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 a few years at, at this point. They're they're doing. I think one of their specials is Clams Casino Pizza and mm. a glass of red wine. So you know they're changing it up a bit from from what you might typically find. Uh, then uh, you have River Twice, which I think a lot of people have have been hearing about recently. Awesome, awesome spot with uh, with just you know good mid Atlantic cooking, uh, and uh, and the chef and owners there are are just really great people. Uh, and then uh, we have of course Flannel Restaurant, which uh, which we have Mark here with us uh, today too, who's going to show off. I know some of some of the great dishes there, but Flannel's got awesome Southern cooking, really comfortable spot where uh, where people are going in. It's an all day cafe. Uh, and you know, I know I, I probably eat there more than than my uh, my belly should uh, should be letting me. <laughs> but uh, before we get into Mark telling about us about all the wonderful things at uh, Flannel, the thing that I like that's really grown on me about East Pashyunk Ave is the uh, amount of businesses that have opened up that aren't food related. It's truly happened that uh, you grew on the, the backs of fantastic restaurants and people coming down to eat and have a night out. And now you're having such a plethora of options of what to do and what to see and and bring all of your friends along. Absolutely. You know, I think that, that East Pashunk has, has definitely uh, continued that reputation as the food destination, but... Uh, you got to know. I mean, it's traditionally the the avenue was a retail uh, location for for people to really go to before you know the the recent resurgence of the past decade or so. Uh, but now we're seeing that really come back in full again. So we have places like Society Hill Dance Academy, who's recently uh, come to the to the nineteen hundred block of East Passion. So dinner and dancing is absolutely a thing. Exactly. There's you know there's more opportunities. There's a lot more shops that are staying open a little bit later so if you're going out and you know want to want to hit some some shopping before or after dinner uh, we as the business improvement district organization are always trying to incorporate more events uh, and more things like entertainment and music into the whole mix and so, and second Saturday is wildly successful we're, we're really trying to build that up I think that you know that is it's crucial to to have a lot of the businesses themselves offering a lot of awesome, fun stuff that's going on. I mean, you have 
every weekend uh, Novel Idea Bookstore is having some kind of event. They're doing uh, readings, uh, interactive events. You have more places that are incorporating music. You have karaoke that's going on at Lucky 13 on Saturdays uh, on a weekly basis. So there's really you know so much that's that's going on in the neighborhood that goes to attract people beyond just the surrounding area. Yeah, and the neighborhood is always evolving. New things are coming. And uh, for the last five months, Mark, you've been one of the uh, participants of letting people on the Ave know that, hey, come see some Southern Charm food at Flannel. It's been great to be part of the neighborhood. And like Adam was just saying, we all seem to know each other, too. I worked with Lee at Fond back in my past, I worked with Nick at Laurel, even Marianne Lucidi Jewelers across the street, we worked together years ago. So it's really a, a family and a, a communal feeling. But that is that gives you the, uh, as you said, the feeling of it being family, of stepping into have a business there. You know that you'll have the network to come around and support you if need be, because it's really not a competition, it seems, on East Pashyunk, it, it's more of a, a camaraderie of, hey, uh, I need this, I need that, come uh, come help me out. And it, it's not that I'm going to have succeed and put everyone out of business. And uh, that's, what, that's what I've seen in my personal experience. I think you're exactly right. I think everybody works together really well and we support each other on the street. And talking about uh, supporting, man, this supporting cast of food. What do you think about that, Don? The beef rib was... Was phenomenal. You like that? I loved you? it. Mm. If it was any closer, it'd be gone. You'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, it's the whole show. Be like, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't have two words coming out of you. But I, but not only the beef rib. I mean, listen to this. We had the Mac Daddy, which is an app. Why don't you describe that? Because it's like a mac and cheese, lovely loaf cake to me. That was. <laughs> Wonderful. I like to describe it as a uh, cheddar, mozzarella, cheddar, cream cheese, cheddar, provolone, cheddar, <laughs> Monterey Jack, and then some more cheddar. It's a uh, it's a nice juicy loaf, yeah. And you top it with what do you top it with? Uh, some burnt breadcrumbs, and mm -hmm. we want that nice burnt taste actually on top, and some Maldon salt for some little crunchy. It was perfect, right? Yeah. And and that it's a big has, seller. It has to be. I mean, that right there is reason enough not to leave your establishment. <laughs> I, I don't think I could get past the appetizer. How did mm -hmm. you even get to the beef, the Don? Went with the I went, I went for the beef first. <laughs> <laughs> I cheated. <laughs> and then you also have, and uh, all, a lot of these things that you brought in are available for Restaurant Week. You brought in pig in a blanket sandwich. Why don't you describe it? Oh man, look at look at that, Don. If only the people could see in studio. Would be throwing us out. <laughs> There'd be a stampede. Be breaking the door down. Yeah. So what's the uh, pig in a blanket sandwich? It's a common combination, but when you twist the ingredients a little bit, it becomes something special, like the sweet potato bread that we use or buns, the roast pork, which is a cider vinegar uh, braise, um, the Alabama white sauce, and the pickled green tomatoes. It really all comes together. Once you eat it, you get it again. And then we move to the the dish that Don and it's it's. Properly named King Dish, correct? Which, the marble? The marble cake? The King Dish, isn't that the nine-inch? Oh, the rib. Yeah, yeah. the nine-inch rib. You call that the King Dish, correct? Well, we call the, I think you're thinking of the chicken. Oh! Which is, which is the last chicken. Oh. Yeah. We call I, it the uh, I'm, last fried chicken platter. Oh, that which is. Which I couldn't bring you because we sold out again today. 
and and how is it served? Tell everyone how it's served. Or well, is that a surprise? It, it does surprise you on the table because it's a big platter and you could hurt somebody with it. <laughs> um, and it's it's because they're prison plates. They are, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's a, it's a nice. We've uh, got all these inmates not being able to eat. It's what I would eat for my last dinner. <laughs> right. Right. I um, would love to know if anyone does get incarcerated, if they make that call <laughs> and say, <laughs> I would like to have that for my last meal. Yeah, last chicken. Go commit some crimes, Don. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had fried marble pound cake with a bourbon sauce, which was just delightful. Crispy. Powdered sugar on the top was... Kicked it off nicely, and then the bourbon sauce. You dip it in, and let it sit nice and warm. Ah. So how did the concept come about? It's brilliant for East Pass Young. Nice southern twist. Uh, hasn't been placed there yet. <laughs> Is this something that's near and dear to your heart, southern cooking? Well, well, two things. From a couple of my best friends moved to Charleston and Nashville, so I go visit them often. And because they're in the restaurant business, one's a sommelier at, at Husk down there, the other one used to be with Fig. And uh, we have eaten at every restaurant in both towns. I mean, literally every restaurant. Uh, they're usually, Quite an accomplishment. They're, they're five-pound weekends. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's also the only true cuisine we have in America. You know, every other cuisine is really immigrant cuisine, you know, that we brought over, whether it's Jewish, Italian, you know, Irish, whatever. But the South is really native cuisine to America, even though all the ingredients were brought over by the slaves from Africa. You know, it's really American driven and created food. It's special. And we're the only ones doing it on Passyunk. So this was something that when you went to visit, you really attached to you you found a fondness to this type of food i loved it yeah totally fell in love with it and you came back what what was the inspiration to say i fell in love with it i know i can cook this well and i want to be on east passionk avenue well finding the property on east passionk was actually first i mean that was it was an amazing stroke of luck that this uh the old chaya cafe had opened up for sale and um uh, when I saw the space, I knew how to, in my head, I already had it designed. It was, I knew exactly what it would feel like and uh, it came out beautiful and it, you have that nice Southern charm and it's a real homey feeling. Lots of wood, tin, rust, <laughs> things you would find you know, down the South. And, uh, yeah, I think Adam can tell you too. It's, it's, it's a very comfortable place. And, and we have live music, too, on, on the, every Friday night. And usually they're country bands, too. We even have a fiddler and a slide guitarist playing one of the Fridays. Really? Yeah, it's really fun stuff. And you are now, because business has been booming, you're now doing dinner service as well, correct? We added on dinner, and we don't have any trends going yet. Like on Saturday and Sunday, you have to wait in line. There's no, no, no way to get in just by walking in. Uh, but it's, it's worth the wait. Um, but on the evenings right now, like last Friday, we were totally packed, you know, and, and this past Saturday we were full as well, but it's not trending in any direction. I mean, it's getting busier, but uh, people are still just discovering us for dinner. And was that a difficult decision? Was this in your original plan that you wanted? I always dinner wanted dinner, correct. Okay. Yeah. So you were just getting all the, the kinks out and everything before you launched it out. Yeah. And brunch was so busy. It just took up a lot of our time. It was, you had to get a whole nother staff for dinner. So. Now, you're also, with your namesake, you're going to do a flannel donation drive to do good in the neighborhood, as they say. Yeah, we're excited to give back as well. You know, uh, we're pairing with uh, Philly Fair Trade Coffee, and you get a free coffee 
uh, when, you, when you come in and donate. And we're giving flannel or any other warm clothing, you know, to homeless shelters. That's wonderful. Yeah. Because, I mean, some people, they, they will not give that flannel up. They, mm-hmm. they keep it for, you see some of them flannels, you got holes up and yeah. down, and it's not an easy piece of clothing to, to depart from. It takes so long to get comfortable in it. It's like all of a sudden, like, you want me to what? It took me two years just to get comfortable in this thing. I didn't know about that. Well, and the it, 90s yeah. trend has come back around, too. So it's it's in style again. Yes. I have to tell you, every guest, if it's a two-top or more, at least one person's wearing flannel. <laughs> Do they think they're going to get a discount or something? Some ass guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I'm part owner here. I mean, <laughs> and you're also uh, expanding and trying different aspects of the business with a brewer's license to come. We're very excited. We just filled out the applications, and it should be about four months away. We won't make a lot of beer. We'll probably make three beers. Since we sell a lot of great coffee, we'll make a coffee beer, coffee stout. Oh. Um, we'll probably make a, a lager and then I don't know what which ale we've picked yet, but something to go with the food. That's wonderful. Yeah. And beers, what, was this a passion of yours, a, a hobby? Beer's always been a, a big passion of mine. Now, um, not just drinking. Not just drinking. Very good, yeah. <laughs> I used to do all the uh, Jose Garces beer dinners at the restaurants. And uh, we, we'd pair with up the breweries, whether it was Dogfish Head or uh, Six Point or Victory or Yards. And uh, we'd had these massive special dinners. For, and people would come. We had one dinner with 125 people wow. at Chifa when that was open back in the day. And uh, they were all a big success. Philadelphia, you know, is a great brew town. So I think there's room for one more. Oh, without a doubt. No, without a doubt. Uh, flannel beer. <laughs> you have, Keeps you warm. That, yeah. that would be good. Like if you had a design for like a, oh, yeah. a glass, a flannel flannel glass. I would like a flannel bottle. Yeah. I like that. Beer cozies. Cozies. Flannel, flannel cozies. cozies too. Yeah, there you go. Oh, so, uh, oh, yeah. The wheels are turning there. I'm going to sit down with you guys more often. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your vision? You've only been there five months. Let's, I've, obviously, you're wildly successful. What's your vision for five years? Oh, I'd love to see more flannels. <laughs> I'd love to have a whole wardrobe. But, um, Flannel yeah. shoes. But, you know, I'm, I'm very happy uh, in, in the one place. And uh, it's just nice it, because, again, East Passing is so communal. It's, it's so nice to touch every guest. You know, go out from the kitchen. Talk you can get in to trouble everybody. with that sometimes. Yeah. Well, you try it yeah. right, <laughs> physically, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I've gotten to know a good percentage of our people. We have the same people to come almost every day. It's pretty funny, actually. And did you co- do the entire menu concept yourself? Uh, I did with the help of Natalie Moransky. Um, Natalie used to be the chef at uh, Chifa. We worked together, and then she worked for Jose Garces and a number of other places. And she's actually working on the uh, Divine Saint Lorraine right now. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> so, um, going back to past the, uh, restaurant week, so you have a total of how many restaurants now you have in 24 restaurants for this year. Yeah. So lots of choices and it's the whole range of any kind of, of, of style. I mean, you have traditional Italian, you have, you know, fine French dining, you have modern American, you have the, you know, the Asian influences, you have the Southern cooking like flannel. So I mean, there's really anything that you could possibly have a desire for is you're going to find it. No problem. And that includes lunch and dinner. A lot of places have either lunch 
or dinner. Uh, I'd say the majority are, are dinner focused, but uh, but you know the the lunch options are are great for for people who are who are looking for that too, uh, and those tend to you know to be in the fifteen dollar price point also. Right. And again. I think that's one of the best things about our restaurant week in particular. When you you know when you're looking at at what the the variety and the options are, is to have the different price points. Yeah, I, I like you. that option yeah. a lot. So you know, the days that you're not really super hungry, you just got a little snack. Yeah. You can say, okay, who got the well? Let's down? be clear, nothing's just a little snack. Nah, you, you know what I mean? Even, you know what oh, I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like even like for for Redcrest, they are packing in. The, the amount of food that you're getting for the fifteen dollars. I mean, you're you're going there and you're 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 getting a really great value. And even you know something like like back for for Mark, I think, um, you know, along with the the twenty five dollar price point for the whole meal, then at the end, like this guy's throwing in a victory beer for you know for anyone who's of age too. So it's like these you know these extra bonuses or the surprises that you're gonna find. That you know, walking in, it was already a great evening and got even better. It'll just keep, it'll just have uh, people coming back more and more to see what other new surprises are going to be. That is the hope. Yeah, yeah, and to talk about. I mean, it, it's it's bigger, better than ever. The restaurants are amazing. With a menu like you brought in, Mark, you've you've spoiled us grandly, and you have your brewer's license. So we want to make sure that you, you at least have three beers for us, correct? Correct. So, uh, it's, and what's the, the days again, Adam? So it starts February 24th through March 6th. Again, that's the bonus too. More than just one week. So, uh, so you're actually getting, getting a little, uh, little extra beyond, beyond just the week itself. Uh, February 24th, March 6th. EastPassionRestaurantWeek.com. Awesome. And uh, Mark, you want to share any websites or social medias? Yes. Uh, please go to EatFlannel.com. We don't recommend actually eating flannel, but come to the web- website, which is EatFlannel.com. Well, if, if it tastes anything like what you cook, then you know, yeah. I, might, I might have to add some to my diet. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about wonderful beers, we have someone online with us, Don, who is going, maybe she could visit Mark at Flannel and take some of his beers and turn it into beer bread. What would you th- think that's a good idea? I think it's a fabulous idea. Well, I think maybe we'll have to find out if she, thinks, bread. if she thinks that's a good idea. And we have online with us the perfect person to talk about this subject, and that would be Lori Rice. She is the author of beer bread, beer-infused breads, rolls, biscuits, muffins, and more. And she was an IACP award winner for 2019 for food writing. Congratulations, Lori. Congratulations, Lori. Thank you for joining us. How's it going tonight? Thanks. Thanks very much. I'm happy to be here. Well, we are even happier. So tell us all about <laughs> beer bread. It seems as though uh, breweries, especially on the East Coast, uh, exploded in popularity. And then people were like, hmm, this was something that people used to do, and it's delicious to make beer bread. And I think this is another trend that I have seen take off once again. Why do you think it is becoming so popular, and uh, what was your take on it, uh, why you decided to write about it? Yeah, so, you know, it has some, It beer bread has some roots, you know? Like, uh, when you talk about, not so much historic recipes, but maybe the recipes uh, they show up in you know old school church cookbooks and things like that. And it's it's beer bread. It's a combination of self rising flour, 
beer, and salt, basically. And they make a quick bread, which is, is just a delicious beer bread. And so um, those are those have been on menus for years, I think. And when I had the opportunity to take that a step further, um, it was a very exciting opportunity. And I think at the same time, there's a lot of great bakeries who are experimenting with the same kind of thing. Now, was this something that you looked into and the the publisher came to you with the idea, or was this something that was near and dear and close to your heart? So it's kind of a combination of all of the above. So my first cookbook was Food on Tap, Cooking with Craft Beer. But what's I'm funny is that when, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> So what's funny, whenever I got that idea with my publisher, it was originally pitched as a beer, like baking and bread cookbook. But uh, this was in 2017 when it published, they said, well, what it, would it be okay if we change it to cooking? And I was like, well, sure. You know, I use beer and cooking as well. And then after that book published, a little while later, they came to me and they said, what do you think about a beer bread cookbook? And I was like, well, I think it's great because that's the original idea I pitched to you. <laughs> they didn't remember that. but um, It just took them like, to well, pitch sure, the idea to think it was great. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So whether or not I went to them or they came to me, well, that's, you know, you can figure, you can decide what you think about that. It was a combination of both. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And uh, going through one of my favorite ones was, listen to this, Don, because I know you're a coffee and espresso guy and you like mm -hmm. to have that in the morning. <laughs> think of having this with your coffee or espresso. Classic beer bread vanilla scones with honey glaze. Wow. That sounds good, doesn't that it? Sounds unique. And delicious. <laughs> and delicious, yes. So this is showing everyone that there's many different aspects of beer bread, and it literally can be used for every occasion, mood, meal, and even skill set, correct? Yeah, correct. Uh, I was really focused on making the book both approachable and easy, uh, but then also throwing in a few, you know, more advanced techniques so it wouldn't bore people who are uh, familiar with baking. Yeah, and also another one. See, that's what, I know my, my doctor said I have to cut down on salt, and bread is, has a lot of salt, mm -hmm. but okay. I'm going to have to start eating a lot more because after this, amber ale molasses rye dinner rolls. What do you think of that, Mark? That, that sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Mark nodding his head over there. He's, he's, he was giving it. See, now that you have your brewer's license, Mark, it's getting a lot of ideas. You're going to yeah. have to pick this book up, Mark. <laughs> that would go with the food, too. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you come up with a lot of these recipes? Did you have to research them? Were these family recipes, friends and family? How did you come about the project altogether? Yeah. So, um, it's, it's a hard thing to explain for people that doesn't, ha that it doesn't happen to, but, uh, two of my main focuses in my work are recipe development and food photography. So my brain is constantly turning with recipe ideas, uh, whenever I taste a beer or when I'm out tasting other food. And I actually, I, in, 
late high school, early college, I worked in bakeries. So a bagel shop, uh, bread bakeries. So I had gathered a lot of ideas for flavor components and different types of bread throughout that time. And then whenever my husband and I started traveling around Germany, it's really where we fell in love with beer and the history of beer. And then you come back to the States and then there's the craft beer boom. Uh, so when I, the recipes are a combination, some of them started with the idea of the bread and what beer would work well in this. And some of them really started with the flavors of a beer, um, certain craft beers and what kind of bread could I create out of this? So writing a single subject cookbook is not without its challenges. You kind of sit down and you're flooded with 15 ideas and, and then you cannot think of another single one. So you have to take a break, kind of come back to it. So that's, that's kind of my process. <laughs> and also if for those who are intimidated by baking or oh, I couldn't do that, uh, that sounds too fancy, too difficult. Sounds like she took all the uh, hard. Don't, don't worry, Don, mm. all the hard work you're going to say has yeah. been, has been removed. You couldn't be more correct, my friend, because what I liked was that you have an entire chapter for beginners or if you can't devote the amount of time and wait for it to rise and all that, stir and bake. Stir and bake. Sort of like in college. Mm -hmm. Or if you've already had a few before you start baking, it's a very, it's yeah. a very simple process. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so out of all of these uh, recipes, and I'm sure there was a lot of taste testing and said, oh, darn, I guess, well, we just didn't put all the beer in the recipe. I guess I have to finish the bottle. What was your favorite, what's your favorite, we'll even go with two or three recipes in the book that if somebody came over, this would be what you show off with. Yeah, so the number one for me is going to be the six-pack cinnamon rolls. I like and that. part of that <laughs> is because, Despite my experience, you know, with baking and recipe development, like cinnamon rolls are a hard thing to nail for me. And this was one of those things by adding beer and doing the process of an overnight rise. So basically you're going to pop them in the fridge and they're just going to proof in the fridge. So it's a, while it is a yeast bread, it's pretty hands off in the amount of time you're going to have to spend with it. And, um, when I got the idea to make them, I, I wanted to figure out what could be, I don't know if you want to use the term cutesy or trendy or whatever, uh, to make it kind of, you know, six pack cinnamon rolls. So what I did was I baked them in mason jars, so small mason jars. Oh. So you've got six little mason jars there and they're actually transportable, which is kind of fun. So you can, before you put the frosting on, like after you bake them or even before you bake them, you can pop the lid on and take them with you. You said, take then, that, uh, you said, take that, sit up on boom, <laughs> drop right. the mic. That's right. I've, I've, had, <laughs> I've had good comments about him, so I <laughs> can do a comparison test for <laughs> Well, that is wonderful. But, uh, Lori, we couldn't have been more thrilled to talk to you. I love the concept of the book. It's definitely put a whole new perspective of uh, different things to do with beer. And as it said, it's beer-infused breads, rolls, biscuits, muffins, and more from dinner all from breakfast, literally, all the way through to dessert at the, the end of the day. Late night snacks. Late night snacks. And, uh, right. and 
can purchase it now. It just came out last week, February 4th. So congratulations on the new release. And would you like to share any websites or social medias before you go? Thank you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Lori, L-O-R-I underscore Rice, R-I-C-E, or at my website, LoriRice.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. So anything yeah, about that? Have a, have a great night. What do you think about that, Don? You, Beer you, you, bread's interesting. You own a bar. Get that kitchen back there. I think nah, my patrons won't eat the bread. Mm. Maybe. What the, what the, uh, have, Could be. No, they definitely will. I think they would. Uh, I think they beer and beer that. bread together. I think they would enjoy that. How about you, Adam? I, well, I, I think that Don has to hand those out on on the bus, right? I, yeah. brilliant. Well, idea. We're going to have uh, Irish soda bread. Maybe we could do that with the beer. That is one of the the recipes. Yeah, like an Irish stout. Yeah, yeah. there you go. I'm going to practice making it. Start it next apparently, week. it's very easy. <laughs> <laughs> Stir and bake. Stir and bake. <laughs> I think I was the only one that laughed at that, but well, that, some people got what I was talking about. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's what usually happened when I went on stage, too. That's why I, I don't do stand-up no. comedy anymore, either. <laughs> but uh, it, it's an interesting concept, wouldn't you say, Mark? It's, it, it's something that you don't see all that often, beer breads. It's, I mean, we call beer bread in a glass. It's, it's a fermented, you know, beverage and it has the same ingredients as bread. So it was pretty ingenious for her to come out with a book about it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, speaking about your restaurant again, the, uh, did you have, uh, I never, I didn't see your menu, but do you have like the, the regular staples, uh, chicken fried steak and, Actually, we have a new dinner menu coming out with chicken fried steak on it. Now you mentioned that's pretty funny. Yeah, the first time I had it was in Montana, of all places. Right. And I'm like, chicken fried steak? What the heck is chicken fried steak? And they brought out this plate with this big, flat, uh, breaded chicken and with all this gravy on it. And I'm like, are they trying to give me a heart attack? I just met this family. <laughs> uh, and then she became my wife and <laughs> the rest of it's history. But... Uh, so your your dinners are going to run from what time to to what time? Well, we run straight through right now. We open at uh, seven o'clock for coffee, eight o'clock for food during the weekdays, and we're open till nine o'clock at night. So we go straight through with the same menu all day and night long. So you can get dinner things for breakfast, breakfast items for dinner. Okay. Yeah. So you're not staying till two in the morning or one o'clock or twelve. Once we get the brewers, the brewery going, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I'm sure that will change the dynamic very much. So actually. Yeah, we're excited about that. Right. And you're going to be picking three different beers. What I Not to, yeah, not to go over a, the same subject again, but... Well, right now they make beautiful little pilot brewer. It's what the big brewers use to test different beers or make different small batches. So that's really all I can fit in my place. It takes up the size of a big table, basically, three different tanks. So I can only make like 20 gallons a week. That's enough. But that's enough. Yeah. yeah. What's the most, I guess, difficult or finicky part of brewing beer um well it's a, you have to watch it you have to it's about timing and how long you're cooking it how long you're mashing it how long the wart's going where you're getting your wart from it's also sourcing all the ingredients uh, you gotta get you have to have good ingredients to make a good product mm. but luckily in philly we have so much of it coming into this town that it's not hard to find so the hops yeah you need the hops 
It, it's it's so much fun to go to the big brewers and go into their hop room. It's a room about twice or three times the size. And it's just, it's well, it smells like a pot factory. Really. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the smell must be uh, but, uh, pretty pungent. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Anyways, I make my own homemade wine, and it's not as intense to watch it. Right. Because once you, you know, crush the grapes and then you squeeze it and you let it sit in the first fermentation, right. the skins float to the top, and you uh-huh. constantly... Well, that's fermenting too, yeah. Yeah, you constantly dunk them in so the yeast comes off the skin and mixes with the liquid. And you do that for about a week, and then after that you press it into a, either oak or glass, whatever you prefer using. Right. You put a one-way valve, and it's like, okay, they start bubbling. Nice. And they start bubbling away, and you just wait till they stop bubbling, and and you transfer them once or twice, depending on how much deposit you have on the bottom. That's it for wine. Then you wait for, for it to mature a little bit. Right. Now, now we're talking about all this beer. My memory has finally come back to me. And I was talking about a remodeling, remember? I was Triangle Tavern. I was completely wrong on that. Royal Tavern. They say. Right, yeah. It's a different tavern. Different tavern. Same same street, a little further up. Right church, wrong right. pew. Yeah. Had <laughs> <laughs> tavern at the end. I, I, I knew I was just around there, but uh, talking about all of your new neighbors as well, before you opened up, or even now, I don't I don't care when it was, what's your favorite place to visit on East Passionk Ave, Mark? Uh, you know what? I really liked Red Crest Chicken, um, but there's there's surprises on East Passionk. Three doors down from us is a little place called Teas and Me. You wouldn't think about eating there. It's bubble tea and stuff. They make the best banh mi I've ever had. I mean, really? really? I've ever had anywhere. Really? Yeah. Their pork belly banh mi blows anything from Chinatown. Or I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm, 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 I, I, I say really because I know how many places you have eaten at. So that's that's what I mean. Their banh mi sandwiches are, are phenomenal. Incredible. And then they also started doing pho also. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I would be I like I can't not go to Fuss seventy five, but on Washington now. But um, yeah, but you have that contract with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's comfort food. Yeah. But would you say that now working there, it's given you a whole new respect of all of your friends who were already there? Well, I know how hard they all work. That's that's for sure. They, everybody in the business works very hard. Um, but the the accomplishments of some of them, like like Lee at Fund and Nick over at Laurel, is is amazing. I mean, they've touched much more than just East Passyunk. Yeah, yeah, and it, it it's it's an amazing area. And I know the last time I think Adam, you were in studio, we were talking about the uh, the car show, mm-hmm. and just the amount of like people lining up to to have their car come down is just an amazing experience. It's like they want to be there. I mean, I mean, it's like Mark was saying. It, it's really, it's a community. And whether whether you're talking about you know the behind the scenes and and the camaraderie that you know that's there between a lot of the different uh, restaurants or the different shops, uh, I think that extends and and shows through to to the events that we have where you know it's more than just the neighborhood itself. It's really we we want everyone around the region to be coming in and seeing why we're such an awesome neighborhood and such a great business corridor that, uh, again, all of the the exciting events, 
the uh, the stuff that's going on at individual businesses on a regular basis. People are really stepping it up and uh, and making sure that that we're known as this this place within Philly and, and Philly overall. I mean, you have uh, the shout out from National Geographic calling Philly overall one of the the top places to visit for 2020 and yes. the only city in North America. And to have you know overall the city be recognized like that and then within the context of even that article to talk about some of the places that are on East Pashunk and in South Philly in general. So, you know, I think that people are A, getting recognized for that, but B, also stepping up their game because of it. And that's the thing about Philadelphia. We have risen through the ranks so greatly that we are now not only known as a great food town, but also a travel destination. Absolutely. As you mentioned, and uh, talking about traveling, we just so happen to have the perfect person online to talk about that subject. And let's see if I can get the name correct. You know how I butcher names, Don. It's brutal here. Give it a try. Tamar Lau, the CEO of Access Culinary Trips, is online with us. And you said, Adam, National Geographic, they have won some National Geographic Lifetime Tour Awards of providing tours that it's a lifetime that people would die to get to what they're providing. Let's see if I got the name right first before we talk about, because I I, I get names wrong in a lifetime forever. (laughs) So was I at least close with the name? You were very close. You were right on target with the first name. The last name is Lowell. Lowell. Oh, darn. But. I'm going to send you back to school. Exactly. But we're going to talk about all of the wonderful tours that they have going on. And I guess we're going to have to have Philadelphia added to the list of access culinary trips because it's just more and more that Philadelphia is getting well-recognized as the place to be and eat. So why don't you tell us how culinary travel has evolved in the past past few years and how your trips are different than others that we see? Sure. So, you know, in the past, people thought of culinary travel as going to a destination and eating at a luxury restaurant, fine dining, Um, or they thought of it as taking a cooking class. And we do both of those on our tours, but what we've really seen evolving is we connect with the local culture and the local people through food. So for us, culinary travel means going to markets and doing tastings with artisanal producers and dining in a local home and foraging for truffles, things that really get us up close and personal with the destination and its people. And I would agree with you wholeheartedly 100% that If you're going to travel, especially, in my opinion, exotic destinations where the fruit and produce, uh, like when I was in Thailand and many parts of Asia, they say that many of the uh, fruits and produces that you eat there, you will never be able to enjoy in the States because the products bruise too easily. They can't be shipped. So it's not a product that can be sent other places that you have to eat it within a week or two. And that doesn't work for mass consumerism. So you're not going to really know what a place is like unless you are eating like locals do. Would you agree with that? I would totally agree with that. And and, uh, learning how they approach food, because food is really at the heart of culture. And one of the things that 
I guess, uh, how should I phrase this? As you being the CEO of a company that is culinary based, based around food, do you find it difficult or do you need to educate people who are booking tours at all? Because I've seen it many, many countless times of individuals in a foreign land and then they go, uh, I'll give two examples. I was once in, in Japan. I don't really like fish. Um, oh, okay, well, we're in Japan. Do you want to try it? No, I'd rather not. So do you ever run into that where people's dietary restrictions or the way that they want to eat, that that's not even a thing in most of the world. Sometimes you go, oh, I'm a vegan. Well, you could be somewhere in South America and they just look at you as stare face and they go, well, eat this or don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't really matter to us one way or the other. <laughs> well, we, you know, most of our clients are pretty well traveled. And so they generally, they're taking a culinary tour for a reason. Um, but we actually can accommodate just about any food preference or requirement. We just ask that our clients tell us ahead of time so that we can plan for it. So when they sign up for one of our tours, there's actually a spot where we ask them about that specifically. We can capture any allergies or uh, preferences. Some, sometimes people will literally say, I, I don't like tomatoes. You know, and, and so we, we let our we let our uh, chefs know if we're doing a cooking class that might involve tomatoes. We can work around that. It's not a problem. And to me, that that's amazing to me because as a traveler who's been to all seven continents, that's not an easy task to relay that information to your vendor or the person on the ground because there's so many factors involved. I mean, I, I know you, Mark, just on a normal basis in Philadelphia. Sometimes you can't accommodate someone in the, uh, Philadelphia. Like, what the heck are you asking for, my man? Mm, this is very true. <laughs> so to be able to uh, dictate that to your suppliers and tour operators, uh, kudos to you because that has to be uh, a difficult task at times. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, you know, it's as like I said, as long as we know ahead of time, if it's something, if it's a life-threatening issue, then we approach it, you know, in one way. And we, of course, make sure that the clients, not only are we telling people, but they should be telling every single food handler and food server that they, that they interact with when they're traveling. But we certainly uh, convey that information. And if it's a preference, then it's obviously it's a little bit less critical. Yeah. Um, but it is something we've never, we've never had a problem with that. Well, that's good. And you guys are expanding. Uh, you're more popular than ever. You've got new trips to Italy, Spain, Croatia. Uh, you have a big focus of expansion in Europe. Uh, why is it that you are focusing uh, a lot on Europe right now? What do you see there? That's a, that's a great question. And our expansion in Europe is so exciting because there's just an insatiable demand for Europe. And, you know, we already cover some incredible culinary destinations outside of Europe, such as Morocco, Vietnam, Peru. Um, but there's a demand in Europe for the type of travel that we do, which is off the beaten path. It's immersive. It's up close and personal. And we're really well positioned to bring something very unique to that market. So even in places um, that you might think, well, gosh, lots of people go there. How can you find the off the beaten path experience? That's what we do. So, you know, we, we go to those destinations and we work with our local providers and we, we find those little gems such as, you know, a truffle hunt in Tuscany 
or um, a cooking class with a Michelin-starred chef or, uh, you know, wine tasting in uh, 2,000-year-old Etruscan caverns, in again, in Tuscany. So there, there are all these amazing experiences that most people cannot find either at all because it's something that, that is exclusive to us or that it's just not easy to find. And that's what we bring to them in Europe so that we have so much to offer there. And it's, our, our expansion there is very exciting. We've just launched, um, well, we, we had Tuscany and Croatia. We launched Sicily and Barcelona and beyond uh, in Catalonia fairly recently. And then literally uh, on Friday, we launched a tour to Cinque Terre and the Italian Riviera. Mm. And we are soon to launch a tour in Provence. So lots of exciting things going on. Go visit some of your Italian family there, Don. Yeah, Cinque Terre is a beautiful place. Oh, it's, it's speaking your language, it is. isn't yeah, she? It is. <laughs> Don closed his eyes and he's thinking of home while, while he sits here talking about tours, too. You also have a tour in Cuba, and I have to say, Cuba was one of the destinations that I visited that will stick with me forever. It had a mystique about it, a little mysterious, uh, I guess because Americans weren't allowed there legally for so long. And everyone I met there was so accommodating. I brought my son. It was just uh, the joy of having other kids come and interact and play with him. And being in a culture that wasn't uh, advertisements at every two f square feet an inch, and everyone goes, uh, "Yeah, someone for information, go ask the taxi drivers. They they know everything." It was sort of like stepping back in the past. And if you take it for what it's worth and visit there for the people, it's it's a wonderful country take away the politics whatever that may be of whatever you think of the politics but it seems as though when you are actually in the country no one cares where you're from in my opinion they it couldn't have been a warmer and more welcoming place you're completely right and in fact they they want us there um i've been there probably seven or eight times now and like you said, I feel welcomed. People are happy to talk to me. They're happy to have me there. They they want me to bring our clients there. Um, you know, and it, and it's of course there's a strong economical component to that, but there's also they're our neighbors. They're literally among our closest neighbors, and so there is that affinity between uh, between the two cultures for sure. And there's so much to see there and so much to do. And yeah, the welcome is just incredibly warm. Now, what is some of the trends that you are seeing in travel today? I could probably name the number one trend if I had to guess is we'll wait a little while before we go to China. But what would the other trends be? Well, I think uh, certainly, so there are destination trends for sure. Um, there are certain destinations that will always be popular, and then there are certain destinations that are trending. And, you know, we're seeing Vietnam trending. Um, and while Vietnam is in Asia, there's certainly no uh, travel restrictions around it at, at this time for sure. So we see Vietnam trending. Um, we see certainly Europe, also Morocco is trending. Um, and then in terms of just how people are traveling, it's like I said earlier, it's people want to connect with the locals and they want to have an immersive experience and really understand what a place is like, get under the skin of that destination. And so that's that's a 
that's a huge trend. And, and the idea of dining with local people, of going into their homes, those are all things that are um, that are just becoming more and more popular because it's so authentic. Now, uh, I know it's probably not a subject that any of us here are uh a medical doctor to be able to predict anything or can look into the future. But I was speaking to a travel expert last week and they book literally thousands upon thousands of trips to China. They have had to pull back every single tour that they do until the end of April. Has the situation over there affected you greatly? No, it hasn't. First of all, we don't operate currently in China. We have had some questions from clients who are scheduled to go to other parts of Asia. Um, I, I think in general, what the way that we approach it is we we talk to our team on the ground because they're they're the closest to you know whatever happens to be going on in a destination, and we look at the U.S. State Department travel advisories. Um, and we and we go based on that, and we work with our clients. We did have um, a couple who wanted to change their uh, destination, not their destination, but sorry, their departure date um, away from a different destination in Asia, and we were able to work with our local team to make that happen for them. You know, it's certainly going to be disruptive to the industry. There's no doubt about that. Um, but you know, first and foremost, we hope that that it gets under control and that it doesn't affect any more people than it needs to. That's the most important thing. Oh, without a but doubt. But secondarily, from a, from a travel industry point of view, um, the travel industry will recover from it. Oh, it's, without it's a hit. doubt. We we have hits. We have hits. You know, geopolitical, all, all kinds of hits. You know, every every few years, and and as an industry, we do know how to recover from it. Well, I'm going to tell you what. You may not have had trips plan to China before this happened, and thankfully your business model isn't too affected, but you've got to get to China because there are some culinary delights there indeed, and I can recommend, I don't know the name offhand, I went to a, a restaurant in Beijing that was open, that's been open for 600 years that specializes in Peking duck. That's when you know you're doing something really? right when 600. you've been in business for 600 years. But it was such a joy talking to you. Uh, that is uh, the Access Culinary Trips. Do you want to share any websites or anything like that before you go? Absolutely. It's accessculinarytrips.com. Pretty straightforward. And uh, please check out our site. We appreciate it. Perfect. Thank you so much for calling in. It was great. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. But yeah, six hundred years cooking one duck, duck one thing on our menu. Yeah, it was. It, it took that long for just one duck, though. It's slow, 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 yeah, very slow roasted. Same chef. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was a little chewy too. I've had <laughs> no, but this it was it was massive, massive, and it couldn't have been more crowded. And they're just bringing these ducks left and right. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is so delicious. Wonderful. You can only hope that you stay in business for 600 years, huh, Mark? Yeah, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be there to be able to see it, too. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be quite quite a legacy. <laughs> but uh, talking about uh, quite a legacy, this was fun, Don. It was very entertaining. Well, Very knowledgeable. Well, you were part of it. And you almost got every name correct. Almost. 
There will be one show I shall do that once every 600 years. (laughs) (laughs) But why don't we go around the room, 10 seconds, say whatever you would like. I'm Donato Marino, DNL Coffee Service, being a barista, any coffee training, equipment repair, anything you need in the coffee industry we can help you out with. You can see us on Facebook. There you go. Got to remind everyone to come down to East Pass Yunk Restaurant Week. It's uh, eastpassyunkrestaurantweek.com. You can follow us uh, at East Pass Yunk at uh, Instagram and on Facebook. Wonderful. And hope to see you at Flannel. Like she was saying, it's it's those offbeaten places that make it fun, and that's what we do. I right. like to touch you. See, come to eatflannel.com. Awesome. And I'm Derek Tim of bluejeanfood.com. This was Small Bites. We had John Howard Fusco, Lori Rice with the book Beer Bread. Uh, we also had uh, Tamar Lowell, the CEO of Access Culinary Trips. And we are live, 6.35 p.m. on wildfireradio.com or whatever the website is now. They're always changing, aren't they? <laughs> See, tell, tell her like that one. It's not, <laughs> I know it's not your fault. Uh, we're syndicated on many uh, AM stations nationwide. And however you want to get us the following day on Apple products, on iTunes, and many other products. Just Google us. You'll find out how to find us. We end the show like we always do with a joke of the week from the legendary joke teller, Jackie the Joke Man Martlin. A couple's eating in a restaurant when their waitress sees the guy slide all the way down his chair and out of sight without his date noticing. She comes over and says, excuse me, ma'am, but I think your husband just slid under the table. The woman says, now he just walked in the door. (laughs) Fiddling, 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 small bites.